Teen Girl Talk. Teen Girl Talk. I'm Susie Coda. I'm Frocken Coda. And this week we're spin. <laughs> That's me record scratching. We saw record scratching in this film. Topical. <laughs> um, do you know how record scratching was invented? I feel like I have read about it, but I do not remember. Please enlighten me. Um, I watched the like very um, extensive VH1 history of hip hop. Uh-huh. Um, that's how old I am. The, there was a young DJ. His his mom was yelling at him, and he couldn't hear her over what he was mixing. So he put his finger on the record, mm-hmm. and it started scratching. And he's like, "Huh?" And he just start. That's how it began. He just started scratching like that. Yeah, and then just everybody okay. picked it up. That's awesome. I mean, happy accidents, right? Yeah. Um, um, so this is a decom movie, and I have to say, production, writing, acting, not to slander other decoms, previous decoms. This felt like a movie <laughs> in ways that maybe other decoms do not. <laughs> These felt like real people who could exist in the way other decoms do not. <laughs> I mean, I think there is definitely a um, spectrum of decoms, right? Like you have a movie like this that, and I, I'm going to put this on the same level as like my Lifetime um, presumption that Lifetime has just started started buying like prepackaged movies. Like I think that this movie was made like through the Disney studio because there's no kissing. There are intense looks. There are looks that you would think would precede a kiss. Even a chaste kiss, no kissing. Even though they're juniors in high school, sophomore juniors in high school. There is hand holding. Yes. Very um, chaste hand holding. It is given the gravitas of a kiss, which I appreciate, right? Like I don't need to I this movie showed me enough of them like bonding and working on DJing together and uh I'll be truthful I do not know a ton about professional DJing um <laughs> I have seen the Zac Efron movie We Are Your Friends a number of times I don't think that counts um and yeah I'm trying to think of any other I may have watched a true life episode I am a DJ but I'm not even sure that exists I could just be making it up okay I think I remember what true life episode you're talking about and they were like it's true life I'm addicted to partying oh my gosh amazing (laughs) (laughs) that is not the same as having a job (laughs) yeah well this this one it followed three different people one of them wanted to be a DJ oh my god was this the one with the guy who was a waiter and he would drink people's like floaters, just like pick up le- abandoned drinks and drink them? Possibly. These... No, I think that's I Summer in the Hamptons. I'm sorry. Please continue. Well, I the... was like, this man is a maniac. <laughs> these people were all having a very rough life. Or very, mm-hmm. I guess fun for them, but very much they needed help. One person went to a like party and then left like noon the next day. And the party was still going on. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do that. Um, if I was to go to, Frank. Yeah, I mean, if I was to go to one of those clubs, like the minute I walk through the door, I just look at my friend and be like, I'm ready to go when you are. Yeah. Uh, but he brought his mix, which was not good. 
to like a record label and they're like there's nothing really that stands out here um, and i mean probably I, this is just a, a, like a presumption on my part i do not know anything about the inner workings of an mtv producer but i think if i was trying to make footage and this person made a mix i'd be like we have to get a clip of him going to a record producer <laughs> and because like they probably they definitely have connections right and like it, so they're they set this up and just let the dominoes fall yeah um well it's just like uh what, what was that show we watched the hills um where Oof, like... i remember nothing about the hills i did start following lauren conrad on instagram <laughs> Well, Lauren Connor was like, of course I didn't work there. I had no skills. Like, you think I just got this job and I was <laughs> working at this company? No, I did nothing there. Like, I was oh, just right, th because they had, like, internships at Condé Nast or something, right? Yeah, and, yeah, it was very clear they were not, you know... Like, I, I'm, I'm saying this mostly because, not just, you know, to be shitty, but it was very, like, she admitted, like, I didn't do anything. I got that job through the show. I do. I never worked for Condé Nast. You know, um, it's similar to, and I mean, this is like a very low level that when on uh, the Jersey Shore, the first couple seasons, they made them work at the t-shirt shop, and their landlord was also their boss, and they because basically MTV was encouraging them to go out every night and party. They were in no shape to go to work the next day. It's actually why Angelina left the show because she called out her boss showed up at her house, which is awful. Like that's just not, I, again, I have to assume this was like producer intervention, but can you imagine if you called out from work and then your boss showed up at your door? It's like that episode of the office where joy. <clears throat> and I think we talked about this a couple episodes, but Dwight thinks that Oscar is faking ill and shows up at his house wildly inappropriate. I don't think it really serves reality shows unless the reality show is specifically about the job. And even on a show like Selling Sunset, which I love the first couple seasons, I don't know how much work they were doing. Like they went to a lot of parties. They held some open houses but it was more about the interpersonal relationship. Same thing with Jersey Shore. By, I think, the fourth season, they weren't in that house anymore. I'm sure their contracts were up for negotiation. And they were like, we would love to not be in this tiny house where Ronnie plugs up all the toilets and we have to go work at a t-shirt shop. Because at that point, they were millionaires. Like, the idea of having them sell t-shirts didn't work anymore. <laughs> Okay, so that and that, the situation was in jail, so you're already down one employee. <laughs> that reminds me of um, the real world, uh -huh. where it's like when people stop being like polite and start being real, and I'm like, okay, how how are like they're not actually paying rent? Like, could you imagine, Susie, both back in 1990 dollars or early aughts dollars, and now what those apartments cost? There is no I way. Think, but Frank, there was a ton of them. They had to share rooms. Like, I think you're right. Like, with the jobs they were doing, because, again, they were not working every day. 
And I'm not sure, like, I watched the first couple seasons. So I saw, like, Seattle. I saw New Orleans. I'm not even sure, sure I ever saw New York, which I think was the first se uh, first season. But they would, like, kind of go to work. But, again, there were, most of the drama happened in the house because it's easy. You don't have to get location releases. You don't have to get releases for people who just might be in the background. And then if you don't get releases for them, you have to blur their face. Like they've done tells about the real world. And apparently MTV could not like for McDonald's franchises, they couldn't get releases to film there. So the cast would just go sit in a McDonald's so that they could have a conversation, like a private conversation about filming like what was going on um, without the cameras being there. So I don't know. All that being said, we did not watch a reality show. <laughs> we watched a movie about the most wholesome DJing you've ever seen, um, which I love. And uh, with, we... with one of our, I'd say one of the most casual, like low stakes, but worst heel turn boyfriends we've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, like, do you know who he reminded? Did we recently talk about um, the movie Big Eyes? I, I feel like we did. I don't know if it was on the podcast. So um, this felt like a Big Eyes situation, right? Like, the dude has no talent. He totally snipes his, like, love interest. Well, in the case of Big Eyes, it was his spouse, but talent. And then when he's confronted or gets called out about it he's indignant which i just people who are able to do that are kind of fascinating to me because i would just be like oh you got me but um ria is our main character she um she unfortunately has lost her mom we don't know how recently we don't know how um we just see like I, th I think she said she lost her mom when she was like six. Okay. Yes, because we do see a flashback to like a baby Rhea in bed being like, I'm having a hard time going to sleep. So Rhea's um, father, Arvind, owns a uh, restaurant and both Rhea and her brother, Rohan, uh, work there seemingly all of the time. <laughs> Like, whenever they're not in school, they seem to be working at this restaurant. Um, do you know what uh, the actor who plays Rohan was in after this that we covered just a couple weeks ago? Uh, no. <laughs> Percy Jackson. Oh, right, 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 right. It's Grover. So this is this is a film with a lot of teen girl talk alumni in it. Um, and of course, Rhea is uh, played by Avantika. Um, and she was Karen in Mean Girls, which we covered last week. So full circle. Okay. So, so uh, all right. So I know the answer to this question. Oh, other. Did you recognize Molly? Rhea's friend. Um, I, uh, that, that was the one with the glasses yes i yes um she's in all she was she was in uh she's kitty she's kitty from yes. to all the boys we loved before i like i mean, it was like <laughs> it was a cast that i was like wow <laughs> this is <laughs> you know 
everyone who's been in our previous uh what call it teen girl talk movies and and she actually has her own spinoff series that i think we should do at some point yeah it's like xoxo kitty right yeah um when she goes the reviews i've read on it people have very strong feelings either way they either love it or hate it i have no opinion yeah i have no you know what i do have strong opinions on that's a netflix series i'm just gonna quickly say this pokemon concierge it is the pokemon thing that i've loved the most in recent memory um that's like like the cutesy one right yeah there's no battling it's just this woman um whose life is just kind of on the um on a bit of like a, a slump and she gets a job working at a pokemon hotel and her whole job is just making pokemon happy it is turbo cute it is part of this do pokemons have money how do they check in the the trainers check them in oh my god okay <laughs> um and it it like it's part of this japanese genre of shows which is like we're just here to make you heal just to oh, heal so like you cozy shows yeah and i love it it's really great it's like an hour to watch all four episodes uh check it out it's very good um but i was gonna say i know the answer is acting yeah but like Rhea is so bright and intelligent and i'm just like how does she just like release all of that for karen because it's just like she looks physically different in this movie because for karen she made her eyes wide and looked (laughs) vacant all of the time so she looks entirely different in this film yeah like um i would ask ria to like program my website uh do any of the other things she's good at computers like and then it's just like karen like there's nothing there but humor (laughs) yes um (laughs) So she is the president of the coding club and, you know, all of her teachers have great things to say about her at uh, the parent teacher conference. Her one teacher does tell her dad that uh, she seems too stressed. Rhea seems too stressed, too serious. And, you know, he basically, he needs to let her be a teenager a kid more or less which is a sentiment that is uh echoed by her grandma so this is um her mother's mother her maternal grandmother and she also helps out at the restaurant and is um constantly trying to set up her son-in-law with people he's not interested he hasn't recovered um from the passing of his wife I I would guess like around a decade before and um I, we're given the impression that um grandma or nani is the um glue that holds this family together and so <clears throat> we're introduced to the family and the restaurant and the whole dynamic on a sunday night where they have a rush and then um a British boy and his mother come in. Um, the mom's a real cold fish. <laughs> She's like a little brusque and rude. And the boy is Max. And Rhea knows him from school and uh, goes over to take their order and get them settled. And Max uh, comments on the music on the uh, like playing overhead. And it is 
DJ Luca something. Um, Luca sent. <laughs> okay, and I I was gonna say Luca Fisk, which is like some sort of Norwegian fish. Uh, I think it's like a, a briny salted fish, and it's like that doesn't sound right. That's like almost too funny for <laughs> DJ name. Um, Hi, he, I'm I'm Luca Tuna Shishimi. Yeah, <laughs> he's like uh, Max, not DJ Lucasen. It is happy to hear that Rhea is a fan of Lucasen. Uh, they're really connecting. They're talking about record shopping and turntables, etc. And so then Max's mom is like real shitty and says, "Um, can." we get something to start while we decide and Rhea's like sure she she handles it like a pro but I would definitely be like hmm, okay whatever then um time for grandma they, to bust some sick moves well it's great because they set it up like she's upset about the music she comes out and says what have I told you about this song and then she breaks into dance we get a dance break um high production I very much appreciated that and um Rhea lets us know that this happens every Sunday night and um later we'll come to find out that Rhea's mother used to also perform but um and there's like this is what I love is that there is nuance where the movie allows the viewer to fill in the gaps right like there it's been this tradition for so long but there's also sadness that comes with it because of the loss of their mother. And the movie does not hit the viewer over the head with this. Like we don't need to hear Rhea be like, I am sad. I miss my mom. Like yeah. they're so um, the next day at school, we meet her buds from the uh, coding group and uh, they have a whole class where they have to come up with projects Rhea's project is there's like technical terms for it. it's like some sort of like dynamic inventory uh, point, um, point, oh. of, point of sale inventory point of sale inventory analysis yeah so it's boring um and yeah. she's like well my dad will really like it and her teacher's like this is supposed to be fun you failed the fun part <laughs> and um her friends Molly and Watson are making a pizza drone that doesn't work but you know they took a swing so this is the kind of thing that um Rhea's teacher is also encouraging her to do and then uh Rhea and Max meet up to go record shopping and this is after Molly and Watson are like who's that boy you smiled at Uh, him do you like him okay yeah well um one of them uh ginger is freaking out because she wants to have this rave in the gym during lunchtime and her dj has canceled on it's not a rave (laughs) it's a promotional dance uh performance that is supposed to raise awareness of the festival of color that they're having as a fundraiser um i think it's like later that week later that week later that month um it's uh it, it was is Rhea's idea um to base it off of uh, Holly Holly mm-hmm. 
um, you know, because uh, it, it's a festival where you wear white and people throw like color onto each other. Um, I've I've color seen this. Powder, yeah, yeah, I've seen this throughout where I live. It is awesome to observe. Um, as I want to mention, you you did a great uh, summary so far. I just want to mention two things. Um, one, uh, Rhea's little brother wants Rohan. to uh, wants to make tikka masala tacos and i'm like the dad's just leaving money on the table that sounds delicious um they're called tick tacos yeah i mean genius um and then uh we get a very sweet scene where ria's mom is talking to a young ria about how there's music everywhere um it's a flashback ria's mom has not been reanimated and entered the chat <laughs> It just appears as a ghost, be like, there's music everywhere. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, but it's not that kind of movie. (laughs) There's a forest ghost, be like, following my DJ footsteps to feed the dark side. That is this British boy. He's bullshit. He did a really good job of making Max petty, jealous, and insufferable. (laughs) Like, immediately, I was like, Rio, don't trust him. (laughs) He's like, I have the bush and I'm ready to hide your light under this bushel. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. It's something we watched recently used that phrase, and I was like, oh my god, Frank must love this. I think I was saying, I think I was talking about the, the worms from Dune. Because I was just I think I was saying, don't hide your worms under the bushel. <laughs> no, but I'm saying someone used it in a film. Like an, a character said, I don't understand why you're hiding your light under a bushel. And I was like, did Frank write this? <laughs> Um, I wish I, I would. I definitely use that phrase all the time, so people knew I'm an old old man. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um. So they bring in DJ Union Max. Um. Which is a <sighs> terrible name. Terrible, terrible name. Um. Like, do you Max? Like, as a name, has so many options. Like DJ Max Power, DJ to the Max. Like what it's like. I mean, a... these are also corny, but they're very much in like the Disney sort of frame of mind. Um, like Ubra. Yeah, I mean, like, it's very clearly he's it's like Union Jack, Union Max, you know. Um The thing that I love is that again, they did not put too fine a point on this, right? Like Rhea says, Oh okay, so we just there is a lot of sort of back and forth like um we see Rhea at the restaurant we see Rhea at school we see Rhea doing dj stuff um oh we have to get to the most like the crux of the film the conflict of the film so while Rhea and max are record shopping um we this record shop that just has a dj booth just set up and ready to go i mean (laughs) that not a dj booth but when I worked at a record store, we did have listening stations. But I worked at a record store like almost 20 years ago. So I don't know that record stores still do this. Um, but a full DJ setup, like I wouldn't want people putting their fingerprints all over my records. And again, like Max makes a joke later where he's like, oh, no you scratched this $2 record or something. And I'm like, so a store that is a, I, we don't know where this is all taking place. Like what city, but it is taking place in a city where a record store can sell $2 records 
and still say <laughs> and let people just handle the merchandise all the time like we have a couple small like independent record stores um within an hour of where we are and they sell full price albums <laughs> and i'm sure sometimes they still have trouble you know like making a profit because music is so readily available you know on the internet but whatever so i it, my, similarly to how the flash only takes pro bono cases and <laughs> stays open what's up daredevil D dang it <laughs> whatever what does the flash do for work D just give me a one-word answer we can't get into it <laughs> but um forensics analysis right you told me he helps the cops yeah he he works he's a like the front a forensic scientist why do i know this much about these characters i don't care about <laughs> like literally <laughs> i worked the other yesterday i pulled one of the seasons of the flash for a hold and i was like how does he keep that law office open <laughs> and the thing is he doesn't because he's not a lawyer so. okay um uh, the movie was filmed in Toronto. Um, I'm just going to assume that's where it's supposed to take place. Okay, great. So, I, Toronto's a major city. I cannot imagine that rent is cheap there, but whatever. Pushing forward. If that's if that is the only unbelievable thing about this movie, good on this movie. I will give it to you. It doesn't matter. And I I'm not going to get caught up in the semantics. Like I'm going to let this movie take me away. Okay, but so, I, I do want to say Ginger. That's some top. Ginger did some top notch wing womaning in this movie. She's just like, oh, I thought you'd want to like offer the role to the cute boy you have a crush on. I'm like, Ginger knows what's up. Yeah, Ginger <laughs> is like a born leader, I would say. She is pretty take charge um, and is looking to lift up everybody's um, talent. So like Ginger seems to be one of those people that can see each of her friends roles in a thing and is like, you're great at that. So you're going to do that. Okay. Wonderful. And um, she, after she offers Max this slot, oh, we still have to get to DJ Lucas sent. So they're in the record store. DJ Lucas sent is there and he's like, Oh wow. You guys are doing a thing. You should come and like uh, be part of my teen DJ competition. <laughs> and they're like, great. And Rhea says um so what's funny about this is Rhea is great at everything we know that she's going to become a dj so the first half of this movie i just kept waiting for her to become a dj <laughs> so when she's like i have no talent and we've already seen that she or not i have no talent i'm not i'm not artistic but i'm like I'm already all in with the fact that she's probably great at this. So I'm like, Rhea, just get to it. You're going to be a <laughs> DJ. You're going to be great. So initially she's helping Max. Max is showing her like the basics of DJing. Max turns in a subpar mix to Ginger. And Ginger is like, mm, okay, this is mid. Uh. And so Watson has helped make ginger's um website look like something you will not get a virus from which is great because previous to that they said it looked like a person that was having a breakdown made that website um it was a lot <laughs> and so 
Ginger had created a website that looked like a dangerous link to click. So <laughs> they And here's the had... thing. You can say this to Ginger because Ginger knows what's up. Because Rhea is like, why haven't you put Max on the website? She's like, I'll promote him when he deserves to be promoted. That is yeah. a good friend. That is a good manager. She's not yeah, going... Ginger was like, it was trash. So I'm not going to promote trash. And we... And so then Rhea's like, are you not going to use him? And Ginger's like, I can't really get out of it. I already announced it. But if it was up to me, no, I wouldn't use him. Yeah. Um, but like, just like just from like if you have if you have that person like you're reporting to them like value that person because they're not going to let your good name be solely by putting out subpar work like and i know there's a personal investment for her because she's like i'm not gonna attach my name to this subpar mix um but good on you ginger good on you ria yeah so then ria is like oh gosh i gotta help max like you know save this trash and so they work together she quotes dj lucasent that it has to have a uh, story what are they trying to tell us and they come up with it's like feeling good feeling love something like that or feel the love and then uh max like like what do you love? He's like, I love being on my skateboard. I love surfing. Um, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> you love pastimes. And so then um and like his shitty mom keeps coming in to be like, ah, can you keep it down? And she tells Rhea at one point that Rhea's improving, and Max is like, She's never said that to me. So Max has mommy issues, and um when Max, they... ha- Max has mediocre white guy issues. Oh, for sure. And when <laughs> he plays the mix at the um, Blacklight promotional dance lunch break thing, everyone, you know, sort of loses their minds. And um, Ginger is very pleased. And they promote Max, and now we are moving up towards the uh, DJ battle. Okay, as... well, no. well the, he's being promoted. The 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 lunchtime dance thing happens. That leads him into getting the Festival of Color, where she fixes the mix for the Festival of Color. Um, but there's problems arising for the Festival of Color. Right, because he didn't. This was not okay. So he didn't play the Feel the Love at the Blacklight Dance. So Rhea's dad is like, hey, I really am going to need you at the restaurant. If you cannot show up because she's been late or one night she missed her shift altogether. He's like, let me know because um, I will have to make arrangements. And Rhea's like, no, I want to be there. You know, don't worry about it. And so... But she says that more in general terms about the restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. But she says, I, I need all for the Festival of Color. Um, yes. And also, uh, Rhea's dad goes to a parent-teacher conference. And him and Rhea's teacher, Naomi, have a little conversation about donuts. And how good his um, the desserts at his restaurant are. And should she come by and see these, don- uh, see these desserts? Yes, she should. Because she is very pretty. 
and yeah. very warm and very kind to her students. All those yeah. things, you know, make so for an excellent this, partner. Like, this whole flirtation thread really is not going to go anywhere, <laughs> but it's uh, like a little side plot where she does show up to the restaurant. I think it's implied then... they're dating at the end. Sure, but it's like not a conflict. Like nobody, everyone supports the dad, and they're actually a lot more supportive of the dad than he is of anyone else. <laughs> um, so they're like, "We want you to be happy," and he's like, "I want you to go wait tables." Because <laughs> so, like the thing is, obviously, like he is conflicted because he wants his children to have a good life, but at the same time, you know, I think that they're. Um, is like a lot of unresolved trauma with the the loss of um, their mother and his spouse. So well, well, once again, this is the subtleness of this film coming through and like how, which makes it so good mm-hmm. is, you know, he confronts her uh, about her lateness. He's like, look, if you don't want to be here, just tell me and I'll, I'll figure something out. But like Rhea feels a responsibility towards her family and towards the restaurant. She says, no, I want to be here. This is important to me. I will, I will, do my best and she just throws herself into her job and but is also helping max with his terrible mix um and making it not terrible and like her friends like we haven't seen you in three weeks she's like i know i've been really busy with the restaurant yeah but but she keeps saying i need the festival colors off and that leads to a baby shower um like a baby shower gets moved to the restaurant like i'm sorry i need you to come to this and she's like okay you know and we don't know how she gets out of it, but she basically tells Rohan that she can get his TikTokos on the menu if he helps her. So then we see her at the Festival of Color, and um, Max plays his um, mix, Everybody Goes Wild. And then who does he thank? He thanks himself and Ginger. Oh, God. So, obviously, Rhea is hurt because she has held this dum-dum's hand this entire time. So, she doesn't accuse him or anything. She just goes up and says, hey, why didn't you shout me out when you were thanking people about the mix? And he's basically, his response is a non-responsive. It's not really my problem. What were you, I didn't, and she says, did you not do it because you didn't think I was going to be here or because you just weren't going to do it anyway? And he's like, uh, basically like, uh, not important. Don't worry about it. He he says it's my DJ equipment that made the mix. And like, which is so crazy. And like very adjacent (laughs) to clash trash. If I, if I bought a construction worker a bunch of tools and it's like, please make me a house, I'd not be like, I built this house, I bought those tools. Because I didn't do it. <laughs> yes, and so then he accuses her of being dramatic and Watson, Molly, and Ginger are all standing there. And Ginger says, hmm, when a man accuses a woman of being dramatic, what does that mean? And then she says something like, it means he's a big liar. I was like, yes, Ginger, solidarity. So Ginger reads Max down immediately. (laughs) Watson fully agrees with them. Like, good on you, Watson. You're an ally too. Yes. Um, So Max is persona non grata at this point. Nobody cares because he's a liar and a thief. And 
Rhea is grounded because um, Arvind has figured out that she snuck out and lied to, I guess, basically had Rohan. We don't know how she did it, but basically had Rohan lie for her. And he grounds her. And so her friends show up um, a couple days later with a bunch of DJ equipment. And um, Molly has a very funny line where she talks about how her dad is a Gen Xer who has taken up every hobby and then abandoned it. So they stole it. Not stole, just like repurposed his DJ equipment. Um, She's like, and... I also have a bunch of pogs. Can you please take these pogs off my hands? <laughs> They're like, if you ever want to get into ceramics or I can't remember what the other thing was, um, <laughs> you know, you know where to go in Molly's basement. So <laughs> then we see Rhea. Oh, so Rhea's grandma brings her, um, into her grandma's room to uh for a lady heart to heart and gives Rhea a box of cassette tapes from her mom of her mother singing and tells Rhea like you're just like your mother you can't give up on this you're passionate about it it's a thing you love and (laughs) um does Rhea a super solid she has uh like told Arvin that they are taking the day off and um, they're going to go to the competition together. They both get very dressed up, super cute outfits. And as they're on their way to the competition, Arvin calls and says like this uh, party that was supposed to be like an intimate group has grown way too big. There's um, like everyone brought a plus 10 and grandma is just she says something like oh well i guess you're going to have to uh figure out what to do in the inevitability that your daughter and your mother-in-law cannot run your business for you good luck with that oh we're going to the subway and he's like what subway <laughs> and she hangs up well, she also makes fake um like static sounds she's like oh bye <laughs> <laughs> grandma is a firecracker i love her <laughs> like we it, this thing that this movie has uh is just so many strong female characters and i love that it i mean this movie is just men relying on women and the women being like uh-uh <laughs> i'm not yes, going to be to here to do all kinds of work to do like the what you call it like i i physical labor emotional labor yes yes i was trying to think of like how to say the stuff that makes you money right like the restaurant and winning the dj battle so now we are at and like the other part i love is that the conflict is not about like the loss of max as a love interest like there is a level of betrayal um that is present in what he has done but it is really about like the pursuit of like artistic gratification and the fact that Rhea has found this thing she loved and Max tried to sour it for her by being the worst. And so, you know, she has Ginger is helping hype her the way she helped hype Max and by her, I mean Rhea. And so Max approaches her backstage at the DJ competition and says like, Hey, I know you were like really upset and you know like I'm sorry and she's like great I don't care bye 
<laughs> which I think is the perfect response. She he, doesn't like, get upset. I'm sorry. Let's go on. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, she doesn't get upset. She doesn't, like, make it a big thing. She's just like, too bad, so sad. You're lost, Max. Like, that's on you. Yeah. B- before, you know, the man interrupted you talking about a woman's feelings. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, um, I, yeah, I was reading these books about hysteria. I think you might have that. Yeah, he's like, is your uterus floating? <laughs> Do you know where it is? Should you be sent to the asylum? Yeah. Oh Fucking my God. ancient medicine. God damn it. Um, <laughs> but... So now we get the DJ, actual DJ competition, which was the least interesting part of the film to me because I was like, all of this sounds the same. Um, and going on to the final round is, of course, Rhea and um, Max. I will not use his DJ name because it's stupid. And Max, like, I don't know what he played in the initial round because he um, plays the Feeling Good song in the, like, the final round. And Rhea plays a mix with, like, she has all of these visuals and um, her mother's singing and uh, she wins by a long shot. She's telling a story. Uh, hers has heart and um, creativity where Max's is, you know, it's fine because, you know, Rhea made it basically, but also it's been sullied by Max, the mediocrity of Max. Well, so I mean- it, this is this is a pretty class as a, speaking as a white man, yeah. I will say this is a pretty classic white guy move of like it's good enough. I'm definitely gonna win with this, and then so like somebody shows up something way better. You're like, well, the judges are just prejudiced against me. <laughs> it can't possibly be that this thing is better than the thing I made. Improbable. It, it, <laughs> like when when they were releasing um when they all those things were coming out about the. Uh, people the court striking down affirmative action um <laughs> somebody said this is a boon for mediocre white men everywhere and i'm like they're not wrong um it so. is true um but so, it's been such a struggle for me to not talk about i've been watching um all of these i i've gotten into the swoop documentary channel and i've been watching all of these like youtube controversies about people i have never heard of before they did something like got embroiled in a controversy but it part and parcel with that i think there is always this assumption that once people have millions of followers that they're untouchable because like and i guess that and also they sort of end up and I'm referring just to these people who have done like really crummy stuff, but they end up resting on their laurels, which only makes them more likely to do something like sloppy or, you know, egregious. So I think altogether when there's that assumption that like too big to lose, uh, that it's going to lead to a problem. Yeah. Um, much like, like, not, don't hide your line under a bushel but don't fuck too close to that sun it's like i always say not even that just like never presume that you're untouchable yeah which i guess is don't fly too close to the sun i mean is that how we're referring to it's not daedalus icarus thank you um (laughs) (laughs) okay so 
Um, Obviously, yeah, recommend this movie. It's well, on Disney Plus. You know what this remind the end scene reminded me of like a much light, light, lighter version of the end of Teen Spirit. Oh yes, except a I was movie we covered years ago, but I love it. Yeah, except I was not openly sobbing at the end of this movie. Yes, <laughs> um, but um. It's it? like oh. totally outside of the teen girl talk canon, but um, Def, you send me that uh, Def Patel action movie, and I'm trying to figure out a way that we can like cover that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we can also find a way to do Roadhouse. Um, but <laughs> so, Dune Two is coming out, and it's coming out in my birthday month, so we're covering that for sure. Yes, I'm gonna pack me a sleeping bag because those movies are long. Um, but well, if you buy that popcorn holder, you'll be fine. Uh, for those who so don't know, Frank, what I'm, are we doing next week? I just I just want to talk about the Dune popcorn holder, which is you just I don't stick, know why. <laughs> you, you stick your hand into the maw of a sandworm to draw out your popcorn. I mean, whoever came up with that, think about how many levels of approval that popcorn holder had to go through. A, a They're lot. going to sell out. Uh, yeah. Whoever like whatever brazen team greenlit that went through the process of going through different samples and prototypes and they were like this one we want it realistically colored we want i don't even know what those like little arm cilia things would be called on the side we want a lot of those we want some people to not be able to fit their hand into this like they they did not falter I feel like they did not hedge their bets. They were like one thousand percent insane. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, for my birthday month, we're doing uh two movies that have not been released yet: Lisa Frankenstein and Madam Web. Yes, uh, <laughs> Madam Web is my fault. Thank me later. <laughs> I mean, Sissy. You went, no, I'm not. I'm gonna say, I am gonna thank you. I am gonna thank you because that movie's a gift. Because that's going to be an hour of me talking non stop Spider Man dumb lore. Like, I will be given this platform to talk about Spider Man's dumb life and all these people who are part of his life. So, thank you for that. So, I will thank you for that. I'll thank you for it now, not later. Um, but for February 3rd, I want to do uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Okay, cool. Um, is that the the cartoon one? It's the it's the latest one that came out, and it is it, it gives the original a run for its money of how good it is. I've only heard good things about it. I mean, it has a phenomenal cast. Let me um, read you some of the names in this: Seth Rogen. Uh, I nearly just said Kevin Eastman. I was like, that's not um, Rose Byrne. Seth Rogen uh, from uh, what is her Ayo Edeberry from uh Bottoms? Plays She's Ab been having a great year. And the bear, John Cena as Rocksteady, mm -hmm. um, Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman, Jackie Chan as Splinter, Ice Cube as Superfly, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, Hannibal Buress as Genghis Frog. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'm not really recognizing all the other names. Um. There's one guy who's just listen, Jeff Rowe as man who loves being young and free to go places. 
Okay, that oh sounds my, good. Oh my god, I didn't even realize this was her. Um, Natasha Demetru, who plays Nadja on What We Do in the Shadows, plays Wingnut. <laughs> I, oh awesome. my god, I, I fucking love Natasha Demetru. She's so good as Nadja. <laughs> I've only seen clips of that show, but it seems very funny. That show is so, so good. <laughs> um, oh, God. But yeah, so this is a star-studded cast, and all of it is on. All of it is amazing. Um, oh, my God, Matt Berry's Laszlo. Uh, <laughs> is this it on is, Disney Plus? Uh, it should be on Paramount Plus. Okay, cool. So. But, but yeah, I, we recommend this film. It goes down smooth. It's very easy. It's a bit corny at parts, but I like it. Rude. Um, <laughs> I also recommend it. Uh, so if you would like to write us, you can write us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Facebook group and page that Frank moderates. And until next week, I am Susie Coda. I'm Frank Coda. Team Coda. Team Coda. Coda.